0: Thank you so much. Hi, everybody. My name is Scarlett. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to share my story with you today. And thank you for being here and for holding space for me. Um, I attended my first meeting uh, 15 months ago, and I've been absent for most of that time, nearly 14 months. So my perspective as your speaker today is pretty fresh. And I hope that by sharing with you, I might offer something you can relate to, and especially for those who are new to the program. I'll start by just telling you a little bit about myself and what life was like before recovery. Uh, I'm a 42-year-old technology manager in the nonprofit healthcare sector. Uh, In short, I'm at my computer most of the day. Um, I live with my husband in Kingston, Ontario, Canada, and our grown son lives a couple of hours west of us. And at the risk of furthering Canadian stereotypes, I spent much of my childhood living a couple hours north of here in the maple syrup capital of the province. <laughs> uh, it's a beautiful country uh, and there were a lot of fun and happy times in my childhood. And there was also alcoholism in my home, uh, which was quite impactful on me. I, uh, I grew up pretty quickly because I had to. Um, and I formed some perspectives in order to protect myself I learned not to trust that things will probably go well, but rather to assume they won't. I learned that a pleasant surprise was easier to handle than disappointment, so I kept my expectations very low. I also developed a self-narrative that I wasn't good enough. Um, As a kid, I was pretty much an average weight until I was 9 or 10, and I was never the fattest kid in class, but I felt terribly fat, uh, and I envied my friends, all of whom were thinner than me. And I can recall visiting friends at their homes and seeing the snack cupboard and wondering how on earth these snacks were just sitting there uneaten. Like, does nobody here enjoy snacks? In my house, if there were snacks, we consumed them as quickly as possible. There was no, I'll eat a half a bag of this and save the rest. It was, I'll eat it now and I'll eat it fast and I'll eat it all. And I carried on like that for my entire life up until OA. Uh, My little brother and I, we used to have this ritual where we would go to the corner store, the kind of store that sells a little bit of everything and doubles as the post office, the bait and tackle shop. And if you had a handwritten note from your parents, you could buy them a pack of smokes, even as a kid. Uh, So having raided the couch cushions for spare change, we'd walk over to the store and buy as much chocolate as we could and then come home and watch the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory movie. And this was my happy place, binging on chocolate with Charlie Bucket and his grandparents. Um, just before starting high school, we moved to Kingston, Ontario. Um, it's so rural to city. And it's a pretty cool city. Um, but it was also an overwhelming transition for me. And I was suddenly without my friend group and surrounded by girls who seemed a lot more mature Um their clothes seemed cooler and more grown up. And I felt like a bit of a dork in comparison. And, and I also became like, increasingly aware of my body around that time, which I think is partly just being of, of a certain age too. But I didn't like it, uh, my body. I specifically wanted to be thinner as far as I was concerned. And the sentiment I grew up with and the sentiment in you know, popular culture was that thin is good and fat is bad. And fat is lazy and ugly and represents weakness and failure. Um, so I started obsessing over teen magazines and the body images therein. even the eyebrows were pencil thin in the nineties. Okay. thin was in, um, and in the 10th grade, what began as like an earnest effort to exercise and eat better, it quickly turned into obsessive controlling behavior. I was over-exercising or restricting my food. I developed anorexia. I was dangerously underweight. I'd stopped menstruating. I was blacking out. Uh, eventually I couldn't hide it from my parents anymore. The jig was up uh, and they got me some help uh, at an eating disorder clinic. And I regained weight and, and spent the last couple of years in high school at an average weight. And while my physical recovery was there at the time, I never really focused on any emotional recovery. Everyone was just happy that I wasn't skeletal anymore and we moved on. Um, and I've often thought like, what a shame that I couldn't go to an eating disorder clinic for the problems I have with overeating. You know, it just, it wasn't the same. And so partway, then partway through grade 11, excuse me, I discovered uh, cannabis. And just like the addict I am, I decided to go full on with this fun new substance. And so I was high every day for most of the day, um, using substance to avoid feeling my feelings. It's just cannabis instead of food this time. And it it also seemed to help my confidence. I stopped caring so much about what other people thought of me. Um, I was cool and popular and marched to the beat of my own drum and it all seemed good, but I went from a straight A student to barely graduating high school. I had no ambitions. Uh, and then shortly after graduation, I got pregnant. And this was surely the best thing that has happened in my life. And my son is an absolute gem, but it was pretty stressful. Uh, and I was 19 when he was born. I was single. I was broke. I was on welfare. I had no car, no post-secondary education. Um, I stopped using cannabis and tobacco because of the pregnancy. And so I ate, I ate and ate and ate and ate and ate ate some more. (laughs) It's customary I think to gain about 30 pounds during a pregnancy, I gained at least 80. Um, and over the years I did what so many of us have done. I tried lots of different diet programs, um, like Weight Watchers, Atkins, LA weight loss. That one was particularly brutal with like humiliating in-person weigh-ins. Um, and each time I'd have temporary success followed by gaining it back and putting on even more weight every time. Uh, and every time I felt like more of a failure than the last time. And then I turned to food to try and stuff down all those feelings. So a real cycle. Um, and then most recently before OA, I tried like a medically supervised low calorie shake diet. You may have heard of this. Sometimes you do it like in anticipation of a weight loss surgery or something, but Um, it was nothing but these locale shakes for months and I'd meet with a nutritionist weekly to review my progress and work through like his program. And at first it seemed to be working. And I think I lost about 80 pounds. Um, and I felt some relief in not thinking about what I was or wasn't going to eat. And looking back on that now, it makes a lot more sense. Like it was, I was kind of tucking the obsession aside because there was no food choice to make. And then through some blood work, we discovered that my liver was quite displeased with this whole shake diet situation and I had to transition back to solid food a little ahead of schedule and I was okay for a while but it didn't take long for my compulsive food tendencies to flare right back up. And I gained all the weight back and a lot more. Um, Before, during and after this shake adventure, uh, I was going through a rough patch in my marriage. It left me feeling rejected and uncertain about the future and there were some other stressors too, family mental health issues. I was really worried about people I love. Um, and then COVID happened and I started working from home and I took the physical distancing stuff pretty seriously, largely because I, I was overweight and um, had asthma and stuff. And I was just, I didn't know. I didn't know how COVID would, would affect me. I was pretty scared of it. So eventually I just kind of short circuited. Um, I spent a few months mostly in bed sleeping or binge watching Netflix unless I was out of bed eating or sometimes I just eat in bed. Um, I was depressed. I was overwhelmed. I was tired and sore. Uh, My muscles felt like they were starting to atrophy and I felt like ashamed and embarrassed and sad and angry and resentful and jealous of most of the people in my life. Um, And I latched onto the popular pandemic practice of ordering food delivery to my house and so every single day I was eating burgers and fries and chips and chocolate every day. Um, and I was doing a lot of that before the pandemic through like the drive through window, but it was even more now that I could order it to my house and I didn't even have to look the guy in the eye when he'd drop it off outside my door, you know. Um, I was chain smoking. This was all terribly expensive uh, and it made me feel awful in every way. So my life focus was eating to excess until I was uncomfortably full and then passing time until my stomach could handle another round of eating to excess basically. And I started noticing how hard it was to do certain things. It was hard to climb the stairs. It was hard to do the housework, uh, even getting dressed and putting my shoes on had become a bit of a chore. And I was embarrassed of myself and I became socially isolated. Uh, my weight had reached 377 pounds on my not quite five foot three frame. And I didn't want to make plans with anyone for fear of finding myself in a situation where I didn't fit, like literally, like a restaurant booth, or I couldn't keep up, um, like a short walk to an event venue that like most people wouldn't think twice about being a big deal, but it was something I couldn't really do, or it was going to be really hard and embarrassing. And so it just felt safer to hide away. Um, The tipping point for me was when I couldn't walk around long enough to do my grocery shopping without great pain in my feet and my back. And I had to face that my life had become kind of shitty. Like I've never been suicidal, but I was starting to feel like this life wasn't much of a life at all. Like I wasn't really living, you know? Um, And I was engaged with a therapist at the time and telling her how much my weight was bothering me and that my life had become painfully unmanageable and my food was out of control. And she mentioned OA and asked if I'd considered checking it out. And I had heard about it before, but... Since I didn't believe in God, I dismissed it outright and immediately. Um, I had some childhood exposure to the Alcoholics Anonymous community, and I remembered it as weird. Everyone hugged and held hands in a circle and recited the same prayer. And having had very limited exposure to like church and organized religion, this kumbaya vibe, like, it freaked me out. It was kind of cult-like. It was uncomfortable. Um, and besides, how could I work the 12 steps without God? So nevertheless, I was desperate enough to tune into a meeting and see just how weird this was going to be for myself. Obviously, what I had been trying hadn't worked. That's really what I knew for sure. So I found a local meeting on Zoom and I tuned in. And I honestly don't know if I ever would have gone to an in-person meeting. Zoom may have been like that gentle door that I needed to be able to walk through. Um, It felt a lot easier to tune in virtually, I think, than to walk into a real door and And uh, I don't know if I would have done it. So it was a small group, maybe five of us. Um, The meeting focus was on slogans, always slogans. And everyone was welcoming and kind and thin. I guess I expected them all to be fat. So that was encouraging. Um, But there was God talk, God slogans, live and let God. Remember that one. And I couldn't relate to this at all, but I was intrigued by the essence of the program. And again, I was feeling pretty desperate. So I Googled Overeaters Anonymous without God. And voila, I found there was a whole group of us and lots of meetings with a secular focus. And my next meeting and most of the meetings I've attended since have concentrated on working a secular program. And so at this point, I was still pretty hesitant to believe that OA could help me. I figured this is probably another thing I'd try and fail at and feel worse about myself than when I started. But I also felt like, given how my life was going, I didn't have much to lose. My usual tendency was to tackle a new effort with an obsessive level of attention, control, planning and perfectionism. But I just couldn't do that this time. I don't know if that was due to some newfound wisdom or just a result of being too tired, jaded and overwhelmed. Uh, But I decided to simply tune into a meeting every day, full stop, no expectations, no commitment beyond that and just see what happens. So not long after my daily meetings started, I became hopeful and I told myself that maybe, just maybe, these countless people before me who found recovery with the 12 steps and the fellowship were wiser than me. Maybe I should shut up and listen a bit. And uh, then I heard some folks mention 90 and 90, meaning the 90 meetings and 90 days. And I thought, yeah, that sounds smart. I'll try that and just see what happens. At first I found it challenging to even look at my face on the zoom screen. I was so disappointed in myself and um, I'd often have my camera off too, just so I could eat. But uh, then people shared about their experiences and they trusted me and the whole group with their vulnerability. And it was very moving and relatable. And I felt like I belonged. And I was comforted by knowing that despite my behaviors at the time, I only had to have this desire to stop eating compulsively to be welcomed at the meetings. And with that, I started to engage more. I collected contact info, I messaged some people, uh, and I set out to find a sponsor I could work the steps with. And I was lucky to find a secular sponsor pretty quickly. Uh, and she's been a tremendous anchor for me throughout this whole time. And so she suggested some literature for me, including The 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous, and another book called The Alternative 12 Steps A Secular Guide to Recovery. Um, And I also got a copy of the 12-step workbook of Overeaters Anonymous, the companion guide to the 12 and 12. So, and I went through it step-by-step each week, I'd share my step work with my sponsor and discuss, and it took many months for me to work through all 12 steps. I can't remember exactly how long, but easily I'm thinking like eight, maybe eight months. Um, And as I mentioned earlier, I I don't carry any religious baggage. And so I found it pretty easy to dismiss the God language uh, found in the steps and, and replace it. So what I did was I found every version of the steps that I could find online. There's a lot of them and uh, compiled them into a spreadsheet, mostly because I love spreadsheets, but also because it was an easy way for me to just see all of the step versions beside each other and compare them. And so after reading on each step in my books, I'd review the versions of the steps and then choose the one that spoke to me the most. And sometimes I'd adjust the wording a bit or combine two versions together, Uh, but this like bespoke approach to identifying my steps, it felt right and balanced and had the guidance of this proven method coupled coupled with the flexibility to customize a set of meaningful steps for me. So like take step three, for instance, the traditional wording is made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. And my version is committed to a lifestyle of recovery focusing only on what we could control. So I choose a proactive approach to recovery that doesn't include a deity, and while I recognize and work to accept my limitations and my inability to control everything and my inability to recover from compulsive overeating by relying only on myself and my willpower, I don't subscribe to powerlessness. Though so my program is one of action and I take full responsibility for it. Um, that said, I, I understand and appreciate the higher power concept and, and it being a tool for recovery. And I do draw on that strength. So, you know, my spirituality is my higher power and something that I continue to explore. And by spirituality, I mean that feeling I get when I'm in nature, when I'm touched by humanity and the energy and connectedness of living things. Um, I actually find it very comforting to consider that in the grand scheme of the universe, I'm rather insignificant. There is power much greater than myself and I ought not take myself too seriously. Um, I'm cultivating my meditation practice and, and learning to slow down and tune into this power that's available to me anytime I close my eyes. And, and, you know, if something helps me and it doesn't harm anyone, I'm, I'm more open to it now. Um, even if there's a placebo effect at play to some degree, I don't care that much. If it helps me, it's welcome in my life. Um, so aside from the step work, one of the first things I did with the support of my sponsor was to identify my red, yellow, and green foods. Red being the ones I crave and binge on, you know, yellow's on the watch list. Green ones are okay. Like, I don't really have a disordered relationship with them. I eat them in reasonable amounts. And I love that this was a custom food list for me. Again, this isn't like one size fits all, right? Um, My red foods are someone else's green foods and vice versa, or you don't even use red, yellow, green, you do other things, you know? And so I felt so encouraged by this, um, this customization element to it. And and what seemed key to me was it doesn't really matter as long as I'm being honest with my own list, then my list is right, you know? Um, And then I defined my abstinence and developed a plan of eating and My abstinence is pretty simple. So no red foods stay under my daily calorie limit. And then my plan of eating is just behaviors that support my abstinence. So things like avoid having red foods in the house, log my food and share it with someone shop ahead. So I'm not stuck without any healthy choices on hand, that kind of stuff, sit at the table to eat. Um, and I also told my husband, my parents, my son, my brother, my closest friends about OA and what I was trying to do. Um, and it gave me a greater sense of accountability and commitment to this program. And it also broadened my support network to include the people closest to me. And they were all super supportive, they've been wonderful. Um, that said, defining my absence was a lot easier than becoming abstinent. So I set um, I set my start date, I planned my meals for the week, I got all the groceries, you know. But then I was left to sit with my feelings without the food and without smoking. I'd quit smoking a month before that, um, you know. I'd crank up the indigo girls and sing through the tears and just let the discomfort, just sit, just sit with the feelings. And this wave of intensity would crest and fall. It never stayed up at the top. Um, Yeah. So over the past 15 months, you know, my life has changed dramatically for the better. My physical recovery makes it easy for me to move around. Now I'm hiking in the woods without pain. I'm not winded. I feel amazing. Um, My obsessive food thoughts are at bay. They're always under the surface, ready to rear up, but they don't consume me. And I have fun with my friends and my family. Um, I was able to sit comfortably on an airplane and visit my parents in the East Coast this summer. And I spent the day walking around Niagara Falls with my brother and I feel good in my skin. And as they say, I've been restored to sanity. You know, I feel calmer. My work performance has improved. I got a promotion. I volunteer as a professional mentor to newcomers to Canada. My marriage is stronger and happier. I show up for my friends. I show up as a parent. I get to shop for cute clothes. Um, I reignited a regular yoga practice. I'm more resilient. Uh, I'm building my emotional regulation skills. Like My recovery is perfectly imperfect. I bump up against my guardrails and correct course with the support of OA rather than resigning myself to another failed attempt at self-improvement. Um, I've got my life back, a life worth living. So I think with that, I'll I'll stop there and just thank you so much to all of you for being here today and for letting me share. Scarlett, thank you so much for your very inspiring. <laughs>